Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 102 of Grow a Soul. Today is a Q&A episode with a focus on motivation, focus and how things work out. Some of the questions I'm answering here are ones that we didn't quite get to in the 100th episode and they're kind of slightly more personal ones and then there are some others which you submitted on Instagram which are about being able to focus and dealing with a lack of motivation. So we are covering things like what I wish I'd done differently when I started my business, how to know if your lack of motivation means something more, how I've changed since starting the business, magpie syndrome, inspiration and more. So let's dig in. So the first question is, do you ever dream of escaping your business and starting over? And in the 100th episode, we did talk about going back to the nine to five or not, as the case is. But I did want to circle back to this idea of escaping your business because it feels like quite an evocative one. We start these businesses, and I definitely did, because we want an escape from the lives that we're in, whether that's a stifling nine to five or seeking yourself after motherhood or wanting to reclaim purpose. As the do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life generation, the business is the escape. And for sure, a lot of my work has been focused on creating a business that you don't want to escape from. And yet, do I feel like giving it all up and starting again? All the time. (laughs) Not in such a way that I have daydreams about the specifics, more that a feeling of, oh, it's too hard, I should just give up and do something else, will occasionally wash over me. And very, very rarely I will open the emails I get from LinkedIn about new jobs in my area. As I'm about to turn 30 and I'm newly single and there's a pandemic, I think there are very natural, is this where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing kind of feelings, especially at the moment. And you know, I, I definitely think about living in a van and driving around the Mediterranean coast quite a lot. (laughs) But ultimately, I read those job listings and within less than a minute, it's a definite hell no, I could never. And that I wish I could give up feeling washes over me, but it's gone in about 10 seconds. So I definitely wouldn't turn the clock back and start from scratch. So I don't think it's true that I dream of escaping the business, more that I dream of evolving it. I'm in an 
in between place in so many facets of my life right now and that extends to my work. I am in between where I've been and where I'm going with it but I don't know exactly where it's going at the moment which is fine because I'm not rushing any decisions because it's more convenient to have a plan than not have a plan but I do dream of the time that I will know. Is there anything you wish you'd done differently? So I know that I'm the one who talks about focusing on your why and not your what um, and that makes it easier to pivot but in hindsight I can see that early on I was actually pretty what based and I wish I hadn't been. I definitely boxed myself into a marketing corner because that was how I was growing and it has taken and is still taking me a long time to kind of evolve myself out of that corner that I boxed myself into because it was easier to have a thing to be known for. This was just something that I found for myself that I really want and need the flexibility to do different things as my own interests change and so feeling unable to do that because you're a marketing person was really challenging for me. I also wish that I had been less addicted to growth. I boxed myself into that corner in the first place precisely because it was how I was growing and I cared about growth above everything else. You know, I posted on Instagram every day for two years. I didn't set any limits on my availability with coaching clients because I just wanted as much financial growth as possible. I essentially stopped having any interests or personality that wasn't just growing the business. And again, as we discussed in the 100th episode, the subsequent burnout and recovery from that has been really long and hard. (laughs) I started out needing quite urgently to make money and I got stuck in that desperate growth mindset for too long. So I wish that I had been able to be more steady and have a healthier growth mindset from the beginning. Okay, question three. How can you tell the difference between lack of motivation and being in the wrong line of work? Ain't this the question? So maybe this isn't the answer that you want to hear, but if you're thinking like this, it's probably because there is something fundamentally wrong with the work. When I ask for questions about motivation, most people are asking about it within the context of what they do. It doesn't occur to them that maybe their whole work isn't right for them. So that's usually just the fact of that is telling you something. I'm not saying it's definitely the wrong line of work but if you are doubting that then there is something fundamentally not in alignment for you here. So it might be the way in which the work is delivered. Say for example that working on more passive income streams doesn't work for you like facilitating workshops would. Or it might be that you'd prefer the work if it was actually in an employed rather than a self-employed setting. Or indeed, it might be that the focus is entirely off and instead of 
designing websites, you want to be talking about bravery. I don't know whether this person already has an idea in mind of what might be right for them or whether they just have this kind of uneasy feeling that this isn't it. And that is a feeling that I know well and I therefore know that you can temporarily bamboozle yourself with a new direction or a new idea that you get excited about for a few months but that then that uneasiness always creeps back in. Once you know it, you can't unknow it. I also know that this can quickly become a cause for panic and a real need to find the right thing, but trust me when I say that the way not to find the right direction is to try really hard to find it. Instead, sit in the acceptance and let it come to you. Treat what you're currently doing as a kind of day job that you're eventually going to leave while you experiment and you journal it out and you do some research and you look inside yourself and you let the new direction show its face. So this can also help with your motivation for what you currently do too. Once you accept it's not the right thing forever, you kind of a weight lifts off it and you're able to just kind of crack on and and do what needs to be done without it having kind of all the emotional intensity of the uncertainty you're feeling. Okay, next question. Did life as a business owner turn out as good as you hoped? So when I started the business, my hope was that maybe one day I would get to a point where I could perhaps maybe earn the equivalent of my old salary. That was the long-term dream and I just wanted to scrape enough to get by until then. I mean, we could probably have a whole conversation here about lack mindset and just how much our society has brainwashed us to think a salary is the only possible kind of security. But I will park that for now and just say that really that was my only hope. I didn't have many goals or expectations about life as a business owner other than not having to get up at 7am, probably doing some yoga and kind of having the opportunity to do things during the day. That was about the limit of my expectations. So we always move the goalposts. When we get somewhere that we always wanted to be, we forget that we always wanted to be there. We're looking at everything we don't already have. Which is why when I read this question, my initial reaction was a kind of internal lull because by anyone's standard, my life as a business owner slash life as a human is kind of, to put it kindly, in limbo right now. And certainly if the ultra ambitious 17 year old me knew where I would be at 30, she would have been aghast. However, when I look back to those initial goalposts when I set up the business, then yes, I have always earned more than my previous salary. Not always by much, but I always have. I also very much do not get up at 7am and I do now, although the acceptance that I was allowed to took a really long time, 
I do now go for walks and for coffee dates during the working day. But there is also so much more than that that I couldn't have begun to comprehend. I know myself and how I work and what I need so much better. I like myself a lot and I am so much better and kinder to myself than I was then. I am freer, more powerful, more accepting, less fearful. So although everything is a bit of a mess right now, the honest answer has to be that life as a business owner turned out so much better than I ever hoped. As sort of linked to that question actually is this one, how have you changed as a person since you started your business? And my first reaction to this question is in every conceivable way. <laughs> I feel virtually unrecognisable. And when I think back to the me of four years ago, I actually struggle to relate to the thoughts and feelings because she's just a different person. You know, I talk about her in the third person here because she feels that different. Not that I have any dislike towards previous selves or anything like that. And actually on the contrary, I have so much love and grace and empathy for them. They just feel like very different people. Maybe like old skins, if you like. So most of what this comes down to, I think, is that I spent most of my life so far suppressing who I really was in order to be the person I thought I wanted to be. Not consciously, because I didn't know who I really was, but I was always so ambitious and focused on success that even when it felt out of alignment or felt uncomfortable or it felt downright miserable, I just chalked it up to that being part of it. I pursued a career where I didn't actually want to do any of the work, but I wanted the trappings of success of a job title and, you know, like a company car and whatever else. Even in self-employment, I pitched and I chased things that I didn't actually want to do, but I thought they'd make me look successful and validate me. I ignored many red flags in relationships because to do something about them would be going backwards or away from that kind of successful vision. I tried to make myself take up the sort of hobbies that I thought I should like rather than what I actually wanted to spend my time on. And most of all, I was completely shut off from my body and from my intuition. Like seven years ago, I would have absolutely rolled my eyes at the word intuition and my body was just this kind of inconvenient thing that held my head up off the floor and, you know, preferably I had to keep it looking thin even though I didn't enjoy that. Starting to cycle naturally has been a revelation in understanding my rhythms and my drivers and kind of reconnecting to my animal body in a way I never have. I've come to realise that I'm a very embodied person. This early part of this year, I've been doing more video calls than I ever have before. And I've noticed that 
while most people just sit still, I talk with my body. <laughs> like I express with my hands and my shoulders and my face. And there was one time where I was doing a whole mime, holding onto a mast of a ship. <laughs> so my knowledge about what is wrong and right for me lives in my body and my feelings live in my body. And having had this realization, both me and my body are thriving and I am enjoying exercise for the first time in my life. And not because I want my body to be thin, but because I am my body and my body is me. So coming into communion with all the knowledge and wisdom that lives in my body, rather than disregarding it and just only focusing on my overthinking mind has been a very, very big change. I'm also no longer a perfectionist who wants control over every little thing. I am happy to do what I can and have that be enough and leave the rest up to the universe. I am willing to sit back and wait rather than push and strive. You know, I might not be happy about sitting back and waiting, but I understand that it's important. I feel almost completely fine without me external measures of success now. I came across an old screenshot clearing out my computer where I'd taken a screenshot of where this podcast was in the Apple chart. And I realised that it hadn't even occurred to me to look at the podcast charts for about two years now. I accept that how I like to spend my time may not be the most Instagrammable or conventionally interesting, but it is joyful to me and that's all that matters. Even everything down to even the way I dress is different. I previously would buy things that I thought the person I wanted to be would wear. And then there was a period where I stopped caring altogether about what I was wearing and took a kind of sort of superior pride in that. But now I feel like my outsides look like my insides. And there is a wholeness to that which feels easeful and comfortable. So in answer to your question, I'd say that I have changed in every way, but I feel more myself than I ever have. And I know that there are still depths to be unraveled. Okay, so who, where, and what gives you the most positive energy around your work? I'm interested in what really lights you up and stokes the fires of inspiration. Now, this is the kind of question that makes me go blank and forget my own name. And I suppose the truth is that I've never been much good at getting inspiration externally, at least kind of not in a way that I'm conscious of and can put the lines between, well, this idea over here was inspired by this thing over there. In terms of who, I have, like I've been kind of inspired by the work of people like Kate Northrop, who I've mentioned a few times, on the podcast, but would I go to her if I needed some positive energy? N no, no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go and look her up. I think in the past I've kind of cast around desperately for inspiration when I'm in a 
block. So I'll be reading other people's stuff and listening to podcasts and looking at the structure of other people's businesses to try and unlock something for myself. But I could never find what I was looking for and always felt that there wasn't anything there that could scratch the itch that I was feeling. I've never had like a role model or like even as a kid, somebody that you really look up to. So it's not like I get inspiration from other people. I think other people tend, or looking at other people's work tends to block me even more. But if I have to pick a who that I get positive energy from, it would be my friends and having kind of text conversations and zooms and things like that to kind of yeah build that positive energy if we are talking about a where or a place then I definitely feel most myself and most my most self-reliant capable and positive self when I'm in the landscape especially if I'm not on a specific path I'm just kind of ambling around (laughs) seeing what's around each next corner Occasionally I will get a fully formed download of an idea when I'm out. So the idea for my pep talks and permission slips series on Instagram came on a walk and the actual words, word for word, for one of those posts came on a walk. But those times where work inspiration strikes when I'm outside are extremely rare and They usually happen when I'm feeling pretty inspired and in flow anyway, so it's probably more chance that it happened outside rather than when I was inside. Mostly when I'm out, I'm just out and I'm not thinking about getting inspiration. And then if we're thinking about a what, the first thing that comes to my mind is poetry. Poetry to me is the ultimate example of efficiency. To take a story or a feeling and pull away all the superfluous words to get to the rawest, most beautiful version of the truth. It takes a lot of skill. Even in poems you don't get, you can still admire the craftsmanship. Especially for someone like me, who always has just one more thing to say, it's a very interesting thing to look at that craft of poetry. And I find that inspiring, not because I want to go and write poems, but just seeing what's possible for other human beings and seeing that craft. So I will usually go through the Instagram account, Poetry Is Not A Luxury, before bed and read a couple of poems a couple of times over um, and that feels nice and positive. So what I think is important here is not what these things actually are but the fact that there isn't a work-life separation. These are all things that give me positive energy as a human and that therefore has an impact and trickle-down effect on my work. It's not that we can box off, well, this is for work and this is for me, because we're the same person doing all of those things. So feed the person and you do, in a roundabout way, feed the work. So this next question, do you feel like you carved 
or carve out enough time for in-person close relationships? Are there things that have worked well for that? And what are some signs that those limits on work have slipped too much? And to be honest, I would say that for me, time isn't the problem with close relationships because I'm basically always free (laughs) or I can be free. I don't have a kind of stacked calendar of appointments and most things I do can be moved to be done at a different time. It's more a kind of lack of opportunity and probably, to be honest, a lack of bravery. There are only about seven or eight people I speak to (laughs) in a non, that aren't clients and it's not in a work context. And of those people, only two live within a 100 mile radius of me. So there's not a ton of opportunity for in-person relationships, particularly in a pandemic. So this may be part of being an only child. It's also likely an introvert thing, but making and maintaining friendships and connections isn't something that comes easily to me. And I think as well, when you're in a long-term relationship, as I was for most of my 20s, it, it tends not to be a priority and is therefore not a skill that I've also developed. While I have made friends as an adult, it is really tricky to navigate and I've always just found it easier to retreat into myself rather than know how to start and cultivate a friendship. And to be honest, I say I've made friends as an adult, but it is the persistence and the organisation of the other person that has kind of made that stick. Not because I don't want to be friends, but because I sort of don't know how. And that's the lack of bravery of not putting myself out there. As I mentioned in the 100th episode, it's kind of tricky for me to know my value outside of a work context. So I tend to lean on that heavily in new relationships as just a topic of conversation and ways that I can be valuable to someone. But to go back to the original question, I would say that carving time out isn't the issue and nor do I get to a point where I realize I've been working solid and I've been ignoring texts or coffee dates or anything. Yeah, it's usually more than everyone else in my life is more of a life than me. And so that's something that is a work in progress for me. (laughs) Okay, this question, what are your strategies for staying motivated when you're finding things hard? Strip it back to the bare bones of what needs to be done and only do those must do things. Don't let it be a slog. Just do a couple of things and let that be a success. If it is a really bad day, say you're just going to do one thing for half an hour and you will feel much better for having done it. Allow yourself to have those successes so you can be able to feel capable. Make time to reconnect to your reason for doing all of this and to feel more happy in yourself and in your day-to-day because if you're able to start feeling more happy this will make things feel less hard and help you to feel motivated again. Okay tips for staying focused on one thing when you have magpie syndrome real bad. (laughs) So I find there are two types of magpie syndrome. There's the big picture and the day-to-day. So in the first type, this is where you kind of change your big plans and your direction regularly. Well, in the second, it's more about 
task switching and distraction as you're going about your day. So you might have either one of these or you might be really lucky like me and have both. (laughs) So let's look at big picture magpie syndrome first. So for me, this shows up as wanting to always be developing new ideas rather than following through on any of them or any old ideas and projects. And this is because that's the bit I find the most fun and it's the bit that I'm best at. In order to help me follow through on ideas, I will therefore often make them public really quickly either by simply talking about them or doing a pre-order in order to get some accountability so I can't just stop doing them when I want to start a shiny new thing. I also have a new idea quarantine where I just let it sit in my head for a few weeks before I do anything towards it. Often it will kind of just fade away naturally but If it stays, then I do know that it's worth pursuing. I also remind myself that this is a business that I want to sustain me for decades. And therefore, I do not need to do everything right now. I need to be playing the long game and to hold things back a little bit for years to come. So zooming way out like that can help to get some perspective about that shiny new thing that you just have to do right now. Now, the day-to-day. So very ironically, halfway through writing this podcast, I stopped to find an article about task switching to send to my friend after we'd had a conversation about it. So you've probably heard about the research that it takes our brains 23 minutes to reset after switching tasks and there I was switching tasks to find that research but ultimately this is what we want to avoid. I find the best way for me is to schedule a lot of white space into my days and have very very short daily lists so that I can always have the end in sight. It's easier to flip between tasks when you've got an overwhelming to-do list that you know you're never going to finish so you just kind of do a little bit of everything. It's also really boring but having your phone not just out of reach but preferably in a whole other postcode is always a game changer. Whenever I do this I notice how often I reach for it when it's not there as I'm looking for a shiny new distraction. And finally having a process to funnel off and contain those thoughts If I have a new idea or something occurs to me to do something else, I have a place in my planner where they get written down and a day of the week to deal with them rather than doing them right there and then. And linked to this question was also this one, which was I tend to do, well it's not really a question, but I tend to want to do a million things which comes from a place of not feeling enough And how do I feel like sticking to one thing is enough? Now I totally empathize with this. Ultimately the goal is to get to a place where your enoughness isn't based in your productivity but in yourself, which is a long process of unraveling and revealing and understanding yourself. But a part of that can be in trusting yourself to make small changes and to follow through. 
if you can stop doing a million things and do five things really well, how might that change your view of yourself? And this is where I come to craft and to mastery and to depth rather than breadth. This might be a way in. Rather than needing to do a breadth of things to feel enough and valuable, what if you went deeper into a few things? You've got, you're using the same amount of energy, but you are using it to focus in and increase the depth of your work in a few areas, rather than splitting it across a breadth of a million things. Okay, next question. How to stay motivated in the long run? I find it hard to have long-term motivation. So this to me sounds like something is a little off with your long-term vision, or maybe you don't even have a long-term vision. As much as I like to focus on finding fulfillment in the day-to-day and not pinning it on some far off there or someday, we do also need a long-term vision to keep up momentum. I also know that sometimes these can be very demotivating when it feels like you're never ever going to get there and there's no point. But that's the thing. When your long-term vision is right, you keep going even though it feels like you'll never get there because it is more important to you that you do. This is what we have to do. Find the thing that is more important than all the fears or the doubts or the demotivation. So for me, this is a life of freedom and spaciousness where I'm beholden to no one, I have no pressures on my time and I can follow my curiosity. Do I know how I'm going to get there? No. (laughs) Does it sometimes feel wildly impossible? Always. Is it more important to me than anything else? Yes. So that's why I continue to go to work every day and I continue to think to the future and continue to plan because the idea of creating that life is better than anything. So take some time with yourself and think about how you want to feel. Don't think about what you want to have or what your future vision will look like. Think about how you want to feel. And when you get to something that feels wildly impossible, but also like the most enticing thing you've ever heard of, that's probably when you've got it. So this is also something actually that is the foundation of the planning kit. So I will put that in the show notes too, if that is something that you want to explore with your long-term motivation. Okay, and now we're at the final question, which is when you follow your motivation down a rabbit hole and get hyper-focused on a specific thing for days, how do you muster your motivation to pull yourself back to what else needs to be done? I wanted to answer this question because I think it speaks to something bigger and broader. Personally, I can't relate to this scenario because it's not something I do. I get bored quickly, so I tend to work in shorter sprints rather than on one thing for days on end. I have tried in the past to do long multiple day sessions on one project, but 
I lose focus and frankly the will to live. (laughs) And it's easy to get frustrated with certain ways we work and, and think they're wrong or at least think they're not ideal and want to fix them. But the way you work is the way you work. I need to work in sprints and this person needs to work in rabbit holes and there's not much either of us can do to change that. So instead of looking for solutions to a perceived problem, a much more efficient and successful approach is to accept and embrace your way of working and then seeing what you need to put in place in order to maximise the positives it brings and also get done what you need to do. So for me, that means my days and weeks are built around sprints and variety. I usually theme my days. So on a Monday, I might be getting all my admin done. On Tuesday, I'll be doing writing. On Wednesday, I'll be working with clients, etc., etc. If I have a big project I'm working on to a deadline, like a new product, I know I won't be able to get the whole thing done in a super focused couple of days. So in my project planning, I make sure it's spaced out between other things. So this question asker has the opposite problems. Perhaps part of her process therefore needs to be blocking in some rest and recovery time after she comes out of the rabbit holes rather than dragging herself to do the other things. Maybe she needs a regular day to do recurring tasks and admin before descending into that rabbit hole. Maybe she can find a way to incorporate some of what needs to be done within the rabbit hole. So say, for example, it's a rabbit hole where you're writing a new product. Maybe you can include some Instagram caption writing within that. However you find motivation affects you, just try to see it for what it is rather than wish it was something else. And don't expect to feel optimally motivated all the time because absolutely no one can be. Yes, there are times when we'd really rather be motivated than not, but we're on a hiding to nothing if we work against ourselves rather than with. Look for the positives in how you work. See how you can make the absolute best of it and then build some safety nets for whatever falls through the cracks. so that is it for today i hope you feel motivated and focused now i don't think i mentioned any links but any links will be in the show notes at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast and if you have a friend who you think would really enjoy this episode please do send them the link and share where you're listening online too and until next time i hope you grow with soul